What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday. Far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast where there is no off-season. Welcome to the final regular season edition, I guess, of the DLF Dynasty podcast. No Matt this week, so it's just Dan and Ryan hanging out with you guys. Talking a little Dynasty, we're going to get into the games from Week 17. But first, we should probably congratulate all those Dynasty champions out there, all you listeners. Congratulations on your championships. Hopefully you wrap that up in week 16. If you had to wait till week 17 to wrap it up, Ryan, it's time to switch that thing to a week 16 championship, right? Because there's so many guys out there. I shouldn't say guys, guys and gals out there that dominated all year and then lost their championship in week 17 because Lamar Jackson didn't play or, or somebody else was out of the lineup. It's, it's cruel. Yeah, it absolutely is. And you look at some of the some of the performances we saw today from those backups and we really take for granted how good Lamar Jackson is. You you can't just throw anybody into that Ravens offense. Uh, RG3 as talented as he is uh, and, a, and as solid of a career as he's had, especially early. I don't think he even had 100 passing yards and, and certainly didn't have the rushing production we've seen from Jackson. So uh, missing guys like that was... Uh, of course, a major, um, a, a major hindrance to a title in week 17. Yeah, truly brutal. It's, uh, it's, I haven't played in a week 17 championship in probably a dozen years, and I don't look to go back every time I switch the channel to another game or saw a highlight and, and saw a name where I had to look twice and, and see who that was. Uh, kind of shook my head and thought, man, there's, there's people out there that are depending on these guys for titles. So if you're in one of those leagues, let's amend that thing, make it a week 16 title for, for next year. With that, let's move on. But I guess before we do, we should probably wish everybody a happy holidays and a happy new year as new year's is this week. Be safe, of course. But let's get on to these football games, Ryan. I'm going to start with the game of the week. It was the Jets and the Bills. <laughs> really disappointing. Lots of rain. It was wet. It was an ugly game. Uh, saw part of it. Just pretty much the highlights. And by highlights, I mean field goals, I guess. I'm going to talk about a guy that wasn't active for this game. It's Dawson Knox. I don't think we've talked about him since early in the season. Uh, he had a big game in week three or four. And, and we talked a little bit about him that maybe he was one of those guys that were under the radar in that draft class this past year. Maybe he could work his way into that offense. And while that seemed to be what happened this year, 
that offense isn't strong enough really to to support a whole lot of um, big playmakers, I guess. And because of that, we didn't see much more than three catches for 40 yards, two catches for 22, four catches for 55, a touchdown every five or six weeks. Finished the season at, with a n- nice rookie numbers, Ryan. And, you know, I, I want to call him a buy. I want to I be excited about his upside. But considering Buffalo's offense, the ground-and-pound mentality that they have – in Buffalo, that Bills coaching staff and how they want Josh Allen to to kind of rein it in just a little bit, use his legs when he can, establish the run with Devin Singletary and the rest of those running backs. It's it's a little bit difficult to recommend him as a big buy, a guy you can count on. Still, though, it feels like he's one of those guys, If if you have those veteran tight ends on your team. You don't have a young guy waiting in the wings. You want a developmental prospect, especially if you have 22, 25, 28, 30 roster spots. Dawson Knox qualifies. He's a guy you probably want on your team. Yeah, I agree. I I want Knox on my team. We were talking about him a little bit before we started, and uh, I think I finally settled on just he's fine. He's fine, and I agree with you. It's it's hard to recommend him as as an aggressive buy based on that Bills offense, but you look back at the at that rookie class, and of course we had Hawkinson and Fant and Irv Smith at the top, and then we had that huge next tier, and Knox was part of that, and Jay Sternberger and Foster Moreau and Waring, Josh Oliver, guys like that, and it, it was really Knox who emerged from the beginning of the season as, as the Bills starter and uh, a player that we could actually use maybe more as a backup tight end, but a player we could use in fantasy this season. So you think about those guys, and and I still believe in in the majority of those rookies. So you think some of those are buy low type players, and and they're certainly going to be cheaper than Knox. And then there's there's just countless uh, young tight ends right now that you can invest in. So that's another thing actually kind of going against Knox is just the, the volume of uh, quality buy low tight ends right now. The kind of trades you want to do, you want to swap one of those veteran tight ends. You know, in the trade finder, there's a Jack Doyle for Dawson Knox. That's a no brainer. There's another trade that that shows Dawson Knox going for a second round pick. That's one that you kind of shake your head and wonder, do I really want to give that much for Dawson Knox? Maybe there's a tight end in this coming class that's that settles into that second round that I can add. So if, if that gives you a little bit of a gauge of what he's worth and where he goes, if you can swap one of those aging tight ends or another player on your roster for Dawson Knox to get the young guy, I'm on board. If you're giving a second round pick, you're going to have to think twice about it. There's even a, pick, a trade in here that says a second and a third done in the last week for Dawson Knox. That's a lot to give up for a guy in an offense that isn't necessarily dynamic. Ryan, which game is yours that you're going to talk about next? Yeah, I want to look at the Saints and Panthers game, and and the Saints just uh, really, really laid it on them today, put up a ton of points, uh, so much so that we saw Drew Brees exit the game early. We saw Teddy Bridgewater come in uh, for some mop-up duty, and and that's the player I want to focus on as we enter the offseason. Uh, the the dynasty offseason Bridgewater is about to become a free agent as soon as the season is over for him and I think he's a, a buy in dynasty especially in super flex leagues and and that that's really where the focus would be because um, he got a lot of attention when Breeze was injured and he had that that successful streak 
Teddy Bridgewater was 5-0 and during his starts back in the middle of the season. Kept the Saints, really kept the Saints season alive uh, at that point. But during that span, he was just the quarterback 17. So we're not talking about uh, a player really with QB1 upside. That that kind of coincides with what we saw from his time as the Viking starter years ago. Didn't have that massive upside, but a good solid quarterback you could count on. He averaged 19.5 uh, fantasy points per game during that five-game stretch. And you just look at the number of teams that have some quarterback questions entering next year, and, and you think Bridgewater's going to get a job. Not only is he going to get a job, he's probably going to get a really nice contract, and he's going for second-rounders in uh, Superflex leagues based on the Dynasty Trade Finder at DLF. So that's that's a price I'm probably willing to pay just to get that solid QB2 in a super flex league. Yeah, and there's so much yet to be written about Teddy Bridgewater and his future, as you mentioned. It's it's kind of like buying that lottery ticket. You're not really sure how, how big a big a cash prize you're going to get at the end of it. Um, but certainly for those dynasty owners that are gamblers that, that want to take a shot at having something really hit for you, Bridgewater could do that for you. I'm going to talk about another quarterback. I had the Browns and the Bengals. I'll talk about another uh, guy that plays under center that could do the same thing, really, and that's, of course, Andy Dalton. He's, I think it's a foregone conclusion. He won't be back in Cincinnati. They'll have a young quarterback, young signal caller. Dalton will move on. I think he's going to get an opportunity. It's hard, it's difficult, really, to say, but Andy Dalton is probably easily a top 32 quarterback in the league. He's going to get a chance. There's there's quarterback needy teams out there, of course. Now, if you go one by one through the ro- everybody's roster, it's there, there's a lot of teams where you say, oh, maybe, uh, kind of, and there's really only a couple teams that really need a quarterback, and the Bengals are one of them. So he's going to have to find the right situation for sure. But when you pull up the trade finder and you look at Dalton, this, of course, is a recommendation for those super flex owners. You find some trades that really make you think I should be investing in Andy Dalton because he's probably going to get an opportunity. He gets traded straight up for a fourth round draft pick. I'll take Andy Dalton in that one. Another one had Anthony Miller in a fourth for Andy Dalton in a two quarterback league. That one seems like pretty good value if you need a quarterback and you're, you're willing to roll the dice on a guy. Andy Dalton for Jalen Samuels in a second. That one gets a little bit closer. Still, it it feels like if you need a guy, there there are landing spots out there. Can you imagine if Philip Rivers moves on and Andy Dalton would be the guy that ends up in Los Angeles with those weapons in place? Dalton would see a spike in value for dynasty owners. So if you're if you're looking for a guy on the cheap, I think you could do worse than Andy Dalton at the quarterback position. Ryan, what game's next? Uh, let's talk about the Redskins and the Cowboys. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had another big game today. He's the RB3 for the year, finished finished up as the RB3. Uh, 124 total yards today along with a couple of touchdowns. Uh, I, I think I'm ready to move on, though. I, I just I don't agree with his ADP, and that's really what this comes down to. I'm not willing to invest a top five pick into him. Therefore, if I can cash out at those prices – that's what I want to do this offseason. Um, a couple of deals I like from the trade finder over the past month or so. Uh, the first one might be really interesting to you, Dan. Zeke for Derrick Henry and Calvin Ridley. I'm making that deal. Uh, the second one I like even better, Zeke for DJ Moore and two first-rounders. 
that would probably be the type of trade I'm, I'm going to seek out first if I'm moving Elliott. And, and just to make this clear, I, I don't think he's a must sell. I, I, if I have him, I'm not desperate to get off of him. I'm not selling him low or selling cheap. But if I can get that young uh, wide receiver one type and a couple of picks, absolutely, I'm moving Zeke. Yeah, that one really felt like you're 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 not just getting multiple first rounders. You're 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 stacking on the extra first and and maybe an extra second or or multiple firsts on top of those two firsts that that is kind of the baseline for elite elite players. I I tend to agree with you. Elliot is is a little bit of a thorn in my side. I've never been a a huge, huge fan of Ezekiel Elliott. And part of it is probably the off the field stuff, which you know, rubs me the wrong way. So, so maybe I'm not the best guy to talk about it. I, I have Zeke in a couple of leagues and it's, I, I think it's at least worthy of looking into in the off season, maybe pivoting to one of those other running backs that are in similar tiers or, or one of those up and comers looking for draft picks where you can draft somebody out of this next draft class to take his spot on the roster and have additional assets. Those are the types of deals that you're talking about. And those are the types of deals that I'd like to make if I was dealing Zeke for sure. I had the Packers and the Lions. And this was a tough one to really pinpoint one player. You know, if you watch that game, you know the Packers did not look good in it. They they struggled through most of the game. A lot of that had to do with Aaron Rodgers, and he was airmailing passes left and right. Uh, had a lot of trouble, especially in the first two and a half quarters of that game. Finally got things put together. But, you know, the more I look at that roster, it feels to me like Aaron Jones is a guy they can depend on. Devontae Adams, of course, is a guy they can depend on. Outside of that, I don't know if there's a skill position player that the Packer on the Packers roster that dynasty owners really should want on their team. Maybe, you know, Ryan, you me- mentioned Jay Sternberger. Maybe he's a guy you want for the future. But out, outside of those two, like, big playmakers, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro, Jamal Williams even, these guys are, are extra players. I moved on from Dexter Williams in a couple of salary cap leagues this year to make cap space. It it just, there's there's not a lot of talent there, Ryan. Can you talk me out of selling all Packers not named Adams or Jones? I can't at all. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers as a sell lately, and, and I still certainly agree with that, although that's getting harder and harder. We talked about capitalizing on Rodgers' name value, and uh, that that's going to be more difficult to do every week that he struggles and, and, and fails to put up a QB1-type game, which uh, was the case again this week. So no, I certainly don't agree. I mean, you look at the you look at their current roster, and you just uh, you think, despite the success that they've had over the past uh, several years, and it seems like they're always contending for the most part. And but but you look at that roster and think they have not done a good job filling this team with talent uh, on the offensive end, especially because you you basically have one wide receiver you can count on. Jones Jones obviously was. A, has turned out to be an excellent pick, but I mean, the Rogers pick was what 15 years ago, almost. And you just, you think about what they look like next year and it's scary. I'm not sure it's going to be much different or much better. In the leagues I play in Ryan, Aaron Jones finished as either the running back two or the running back three on the season. He had a really good season. A lot of that was touchdown dependent, 
of course. I think there's, you know, I mentioned all Packers not named Adams or Jones. There's probably a very good case to make that this is the time to start selling Aaron Jones. I got an offer this week, or or at least I had some conversations with an owner about Aaron Jones. I think he thought I was going to sell him low or something. He started with a couple of second-round picks. That's that's not close. Aaron Jones, with the kind of season he had, and I know it depended on, a lot on those touchdowns, Aaron Jones owners are going to be looking for top five type running back numbers or that kind of return. Um, I don't know if you're going to get that all the time, but that's where the guy who owns Aaron Jones is going to start. Let's talk a little bit about the Titans and the Texans, Ryan. Who do we have here? I think, I think it's time to talk about Ryan Tannehill. He, we haven't talked about him much despite his, his really unbelievable success that he's had. Of course, he, he took over for Marcus uh, Mariota Several weeks ago, I think it was, I believe it was week seven was his first start. And after what we saw from Tannehill in Miami, I don't think anybody was expecting anything like this. Um, Actually, I I would assume everybody was just expecting kind of a a continued focus on Derrick Henry in the running game and a limited pass offense. And that's, that is not what we've got. And Tannehill is the quarterback for, uh, in fantasy since taking over as starter, averaging 26 fantasy points a game. Uh, he had had 198 yards and two touchdowns today, along with 20 rushing yards, and has certainly locked up the 2020 job there in Tennessee. The Titans were smart to sign him to a two-year deal last year when they, uh, when they acquired him. Uh, so, so he's, as I said, he's certainly the starter next year. It looked like a few weeks ago, or maybe around the time he took over, this was this was just a team with no hope at quarterback, and he has changed that. Uh, I, I looked at their overall offense. With Marcus Mariota starting, the Titans were averaging 17.3 points per game, with Tannehill under center 30.8 points per game. So a major jump, obviously, uh, basically a two-touchdown increase per game. And maybe the most interesting part is Henry has continued to dominate. So it, it's not like the running game has taken a hit. That's just the overall uh, improvement of the offense. What's really crazy is the price on Tannehill, whether you're talking in, in our mock draft ADP or uh, what we see in Trade Finder or even his rank in our Dynasty rankings, uh, hasn't changed. Maybe it at least it hasn't changed as much as it should. He's quarterback 21 in our rankings right now. And I think he's a player that dynasty owners are just having a hard time uh, trying to decide, is this the real Ryan Tannehill or is what we saw in Miami for three or four years, the real Tannehill. And you have to look at next year's Titans offense and think Derrick Henry's going to be there. Ryan Tannehill's going to going to be there. AJ Brown's going to be there. Why wouldn't they do this exact same thing? It really feels that way. You know, the thing that catches my eye every time I watch the Titans now, especially after Tannehill has taken over, is the overall efficiency of that offense. He's completing over 70% of his passes, way better than anything he ever posted while he was in Miami. His yards per attempt is near 10, which is at an elite level. That, that is a very strong number. Nothing close to that in his whole time at Miami. You know... It, it makes you think twice about 
the whole Adam Gase thing in Miami. He couldn't figure out how to use Devontae Parker, obviously. He's blossomed since he left Adam Gase. Couldn't figure out how to use Kenyon Drake. Since he moved on to the Cardinals, he, he's kind of blossomed as well. Tannehill's done the same, of course, in Tennessee. I tend to give Tannehill the benefit of the doubts. You know, there were times when he was at, in Miami where, you, where you'd watch him and you'd think to yourself, mm-hmm. I think they have something here. You know, mid-20s for touchdowns. He always kept his interception numbers low. He seemed like he protected the football and could push the ball down the field a little bit, but he'd be hamstrung either by injuries or ineffective players around him, maybe an ineffective coach as well. I feel like we should be giving him the benefit of the doubt, and he's a guy that, especially in those super flex leagues, having him as your quarterback too going into next year, that feels pretty good. And if you had him as your quarterback too in a super flex this year, you were pre- you you were winning football games down the stretch and, and maybe won a championship on the back of Ryan Tannehill. Let's talk about the Colts and the Jaguars. Another guy that was inactive on Sunday, Leonard Fournette. A little bit like your Zeke call, Ryan. I feel like it's time to buy. Maybe it's it, it's a year or two later than your Zeke call. It it just feels like he's wearing out his welcome, or or it feels like he's he, he continues to take on all these carries and all this punishment. And he yes, he had a nice season. He's a running back one, and and he carried some fantasy teams for stretches of the season, but he. You never turned on the Jaguars and watched Leonard Fournette and thought to yourself, that's the guy I want to build my dynasty roster about around. Now, I don't know if those prices, or if you're going to get those kind of prices, elite running back one type prices, but you're probably getting low end running back one type prices. And, and that's a win for me. So I don't know what your thoughts are, Ryan, on Leonard Fournette. It really feels to me it's time to at least start looking into moving on from him. If I can, I probably am at least having the conversation. Yeah, I think so as well. We saw his uh, his value really increase this year. But to me, a lot of that was was volume-driven. His production, at least, was volume-driven. And, and then his value increased as a result of that. He was more involved in the passing game this year, uh, which I think is, is certainly a good sign going forward. Makes him a little safer as a dynasty asset. But his, his value has fluctuated so much. When he entered the league uh, a couple years ago, he was the RB1 in a stacked class that included McCaffrey and Kamara and Mixon. He was the guy everybody wanted. He was the 101 uh, in, in so many leagues. And after uh, after that season, I think it was, I believe it was his first or second. I can't recall right now. But after the season when he dealt with so many injuries, his value just goes in the tank. He falls out of the top 15 dynasty running backs. That was, of course, the time to buy. And now is the time to sell. Yeah, it really feels that way to me. There's so many question marks in Jacksonville right now. Will that coaching staff stay intact? Will the front office make a dramatic move? Uh, and, and will that cause a, a new coaching staff to come in here and change the way they use Leonard Fournette? If that coaching staff doesn't believe in Fournette as a pass catcher, and let's face it, he didn't always look smooth in that role. He he filled it just fine, did a nice job, and all those catches certainly filled up the stat sheet and made Dynasty and Fantasy owners everywhere very happy because you, he had a 100 targets in 2019, and that's more than the than the two seasons prior combined. 
So I, I just don't see that being a strong part of his game. 76 catches for 522 yards feels really good. That's something that you want on your team. I think there's a very good chance that that's a career high uh, for Leonard Fournette by the end of by the end of the day. And when that comes, you're you're going to want to sell, you're, or you're at least going to wish you had sell sold after he put up those numbers. Ryan, how about the Chargers and the Chiefs? Yeah, we're going to see, of course, major changes for the Chargers. Um, potential of Philip Rivers being gone. Potential of a new coaching staff there for the Chargers. And I just want to take advantage of those. I think I think both of those changes could bring an overall upgrade to the entire offense. And and because of that, I want to buy the guys who were fantasy starters this year. Uh, Keenan Allen ended as the wide receiver six. Austin Eckler ended as the RB four. Hunter Henry ended as the tight end nine. And, and I think all three, especially Eckler and Henry, are being valued lower than that. Uh, and and given their youth those are the guys i want to invest in those none of those players are going to be cheap obviously um but eckler and henry as i said have uh, have a long future ahead of them and and i think are being undervalued given their age given uh potential upgrades in uh la for the chargers yeah and that's another franchise with a lot of question marks you don't know about the coaching staff the quarterback there could be changes all around that could be good or bad things. I tend to side on, on your side of the conversation as well. It, it feels like Eckler and Gordon and Henry, those are all guys that, that you want on your team. I had the Bears and the Vikings, Ryan, and I chose to talk about Anthony Miller in this one. It was really an odd season for Anthony Miller after the injury in in the offseason and, and like coming on real slowly at the beginning of the year. He blossomed in the second half had a stretch of five games where he caught at least six passes in four out of five caught a touchdown in in two two straight games towards the end of the year had a couple hundred yard games carried fantasy owners that needed him he came from nowhere helped you get to a championship game maybe even and then big dud in week 16 and then again this week in week 17 both weeks, just one catch. Left the game early in Week 17 against the Vikings. It was reported as a shoulder injury. We'll see what happens with that. Miller was a guy a lot of us really liked coming into the league. He had that that big preseason and all the gushing reviews coming out of Chicago about Anthony Miller and how he's going to take the league by storm in his rookie year. And while he had a nice season, caught a lot of touchdowns as a rookie, he, you know, 33 catches 423 yards seven touchdowns year two 51 catches took the step forward 651 yards just two touchdowns feels like he's he's making strides he's getting a little better he looked awfully good for four or five weeks late this year he feels like a buy to me ryan a guy that i don't necessarily want to depend on as my wide receiver three or even my flex guy going into 2020 but the next guy up that could be anthony miller right yeah, I, I like Miller. I haven't updated this in a couple of weeks. You mentioned the, the two disappointing games the past two weeks, but I had tweeted this a few weeks ago, weeks one through 10. After, so after 10 weeks of the season, Anthony Miller was the wide receiver 89. And then from weeks 11 through 15, he was the wide receiver eight. Uh, so when you when you break things down like that, you can always find some, some odd splits, but that's one of the most... Uh, you know, eye-opening, I guess, that 
he would go from a complete afterthought in the Bears offense to to really starring. And that's actually one thing that would maybe make me shy away from Miller, depending on the price, is, is just this Bears coaching staff and, and the usage. We saw it uh, the past couple years with Tariq Cohen, who has, I mean, he's shown that he has NFL talent, that he can be a major playmaker uh, from the running back position. And then there's many games this year where he, he basically wasn't used at all. And, and I would argue wasn't really used correctly the entire season. And, and then we talked about Miller earlier in the year, couldn't even get on the field until some of these injuries the past few weeks. So the bears coaching staff has me a little worried about any of their players, but if Miller's cheap enough, I'm definitely taking a chance. Yeah, it all depends on price, of course. And, you know, I doubt an Anthony Miller owner that's paying attention and saw what he did over that stretch towards the end of the season is going to sell him for anything less than a second-round pick. That feels like what an Anthony Miller fan would want. That might be a little bit steep. If you can get him for anything less than that, if you're swapping players, giving up a third, maybe a couple of thirds, that feels really, really good. But I doubt there's a lot of owners that are going to make those kind of moves. How about the Dolphins and the Patriots, Ryan? You had this one. I did. I I think we have to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick here. We haven't really talked about him all year, and and he doesn't doesn't get much talk in general in dynasty circles because he is that that older veteran quarterback. He's changed teams a hundred times. First year with the Dolphins this year, and we just kind of take that for granted. But we saw him produce – crazy numbers during his time with Tampa Bay last year. He averaged over 25 fantasy points a game uh, and then kind of had a rough start to this season when, when he and Josh Rosen were kind of trading poor performances and, and getting benched for one another multiple times. But then he finally, finally took the job in week six and he's been the quarterback three since then averaging over 22 fantasy points per game. He is under contract with the dolphins next year. And, and the way they played in in the past month or so is pushed their draft pick down. So they're, they're certainly not getting Joe Burrow. They're probably not getting uh, to attack of And while they, will almost certainly bring in one of these rookie quarterbacks. There's a couple other who, uh, who likely uh, would, would be a quality first round pick. I don't think any of them are beating out Ryan Fitzpatrick as a rookie, at least early in the season. So I think there's a real chance we see him uh, as the starter again in Miami next year. Uh, Devonte Parker already has signed a contract extension, so he's going to be there. and And I don't think we, I don't think anybody could argue that this team is not headed in the right direction. Of course, we saw them upset the Patriots today and and really shake up the AFC playoffs. That was a fun game, and and that was all on Fitzpatrick. Yeah, all on Fitzpatrick, and I think you probably got to give a tip of the cap to that coaching staff. Flores seems to know what he's doing, and and you know there were questions surrounding that hire. Uh, he answered some of those questions over his first season. I like the call. What I really like about the call is it, it seems like a foregone co- conclusion for dynasty owners all over the place that, oh, Fitzpatrick is just the fill-in guy this year. So there are probably leagues out there, super flex leagues even, where Fitzpatrick get, just gets dropped later this offseason because they need a spot. They're making a trade. There's an open free agent period. The draft is coming up. They, they're they making moves to, to make this space. Uh, a savvy owner will scoop up Ryan Fitzpatrick because there is the, the chance that he gets a, 
another opportunity in Miami or maybe even somewhere else. Who knows? He's he's got, he's had eight teams. Why not make it nine before you're done, right? Uh, I had the Eagles and the Giants. This game, uh, another player we haven't talked about a lot this uh, this season, I guess. Dallas Goddard, the backup tight end in Philadelphia. You know, it's he's had a really nice season. Um, Ryan, you were mentioning some some numbers from the two tight ends in Philadelphia. You said Zach Ertz was a tight end three on the season. Dallas Goddard was at the back end of the tight end ones in the top 12. And this offense, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position especially, but there, there's been room for these two playmakers at tight end. Goddard has impressed. He's he's made a lot of nice catches. And if he ever had that position to himself, he has the potential to be a top-tier tight, tight end, a big playmaker. Recent ADP, he's at 11. He's behind guys like O.J. Howard and Darren Waller, even T.J. Hawkinson and, you know, of course, Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry, all these guys. There, there's a case to be made that Dallas Goddard, especially if he wasn't on the same team as Zach Ertz, could be where Zach Ertz is in this ADP in the top six. So, you know, I don't know if if the opportunity is right around the corner. It doesn't seem that way. Zach Ertz is, certainly isn't going anywhere. But Goddard was a useful piece, even with Zach Ertz in place. So while I would like to say Goddard's going to be the guy that they drafted him to be and that dynasty owners thought he could be coming out of South Dakota State, what we've seen from him in Philadelphia, particularly over the last handful of games, over the last eight weeks or so, is a very good tight end that's very useful. And if the Dallas Goddard owner in your league is getting weary, getting sick of playing behind Zach Ertz, holding this guy that never has that 100-yard game with multiple touchdowns, you should swoop in and grab him because more than any other tight end that we've talked about, especially lately over the last month or so, these young guys, Dallas Goddard is the cream of that crop. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think back to the to last offseason, that was one of the big discussions because Dallas Goddard was a popular topic, not just in dynasty circles, but uh, in redraft as well, where it, it always looks so thin at the tight end position. But But one of the big conversations, one of the big narratives was, can both of these tight ends produce as tight end tight end ones. And uh, not only did they do that, as, as you mentioned earlier, Ertz ends the season as tight end three and uh, Goddard as tight end 10. But if you just focus on the past couple of months, uh, those numbers look even better as they've dealt with injuries to Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar. Since week seven, Ertz is the tight end two overall, but Goddard is the tight end six. He's giving you 12 and a half points a game over that time. Uh, and out, outscoring everybody outside of the top five, and those names you'd expect, Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, Waller, and Mark Andrews. Other than those five, Goddard's the, the next guy up, and um, at this point, I don't even really want – I'm not concerned about Zach Ertz anymore, and I don't think he's going away, and I don't think he's you know he's not going to lose his starting job or anything like that next year, but I just simply think Goddard is too good to leave off the field. So – uh, they they went to uh, two tight end sets really out of necessity this year uh, because of those wide receiver injuries. I think they do it next year because Goddard is just too good to leave on the sidelines. Yeah, he's one of the their best pass catchers. And over the last couple of weeks, especially, 
the game against Dallas, the game in week 17 against the Giants, he's a target hog. And for good reason. There were times in the last couple of weeks where you're watching those football games and you're like, has Goddard gotten the last four targets? And it, again, for good reason. He's all over the field. That nine catch, 91 yard, one touchdown performance against Dallas, probably his best game as a pro. There are lots of dynasty and fantasy owners out there that, that are asking the question, yeah, but you you can never really feel really confident putting him in because Ertz is out there. You can capitalize on that. If, if the owner of Dallas Goddard thinks that way, swoop in, make the move, and go get yourself a tight end one going into 2020. Ryan, let's talk about the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Yeah, I want to focus on the Buccaneers here. and We saw this game kind of end in maybe expected fashion as Jameis Winston throws not only the interception, but the pick six. That was a huge play. It wins the game for the Falcons. That was in overtime. Uh, That was Winston's 30th uh, interception of the season. And uh, I'm I'm sure everyone has heard about it by now. It's been a popular topic. He, He became the first quarterback ever to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season. And he also set the pick six record. That was the seventh pick six of the season. Uh, so lot, lots of bad news for Winston on that play. And they, they ask uh, his, his head coach after that about how that would impact um, his contract situation, his status going forward. And there, there were kind of some, you know, understandable comments that, it it wasn't it certainly wasn't a good thing, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But a, a couple of players, a couple of the Buccaneers that may not be Buccaneers next year are players I want to buy. Jameis Winston, Brashad Perriman, the, uh, the wide receiver who took over after injuries to Godwin and Evans. Both of these guys are going to be playing somewhere next year. I hope it's Tampa Bay for their sake because that's, that's a very – uh, fantasy friendly offense, but whether they're there, whether they're moving on, I, I think their price is, uh, is so cheap right now that I want to take advantage and buy those guys. Perriman's a guy we've talked about lately on here with his uh, hot end to the season. He's wide receiver five over the past month to end the season. Really, probably won some people some championships if they scooped him up from the waiver wire after losing Evans or Godwin. He catches five balls for 134 yards and a touchdown today, three straight games with a touchdown. And as I said, whether they're, whether they're gone after, uh, after this season or if they each return, the, the price is just so cheap on both of these guys that I want to buy. Yeah, I want to buy too. Brashad Perriman, you mentioned the numbers. He looked good doing it. Yeah, he, he's good with his hands. He's good above the rim. He he makes plays on the football. I was impressed, and I remember labeling him the bust. He was the bust before all of this happened in Tampa Bay. It just never came together for him in Baltimore. I'm not quite sure why, but he seems like a different player. And I I don't think he's going to be back in Tampa Bay. I think there's a GM out there watching this happen saying. He can be a focal point in my offense. He's a guy that I want. I want my quarterback throwing jump balls to because he comes down with them. The touchdown he made, the catch on the sideline, both in week 17 here, both of them, it's enough to sell anybody. This guy's a playmaker, and he should be on the field for somebody in 2020. He should be on your dynasty team as well. Let's talk about James Conner, Ryan. I had the Steelers and the Ravens. We haven't talked about him either, and 
you know, I've never been a big investor in James Conner, never the true believer that it was a long-term option. And it feels like if you got what you have gotten out of James Conner since he was drafted, now is the time to sell. Again, I don't own, own him anywhere, but I'm looking at the trade finder and I'm seeing deals like Nikhil Harry and a second for James Conner. I probably want the young receiver in the draft pick in that one. He's going straight up for a first in a couple leagues. He's goes straight up for Keenan Allen. I saw him go straight up for even Todd Gurley. Me, I'd rather pivot to Todd Gurley, and and we've talked about Todd Gurley. None of us are are smitten with him, or at least as smitten as we used to be. The injuries are mounting up for James Conner. You cannot trust him to go on the field. Every single time he touches the ball, it feels like he limps off. And more often than not, he doesn't return, and, and he sticks you with one of those games, two carries for six yards, and doesn't return. It's getting old, and it's not something that I want on my team. He's not a guy that I trust in my lineup. What are your thoughts, Ryan, on James Conner? Are you willing to sell for a first? I'm willing to sell for a lot less than that. I'm I'm shocked by some of those trades you mentioned. I can't believe that's still the value he's carrying and and I do own him unfortunately in a couple of leagues and would would easily cash out for any of those deals you mentioned I'd I'd love to get Nikhil Harry for him I would love to get Keenan Allen or Todd Gurley or any first rounder uh, first round pick for him I, I think he's I I think those are probably more pie in the sky type deals especially uh, assuming those are from um a, a week ago or a couple weeks ago maybe uh, maybe when trade deadlines came around. I, I think we're going to have to settle for less than that, and I'm fine doing that. I'm fine selling low for him. There were some other deals, even straight up for Robert Woods. If you if you dig even farther back, there's some, some real interesting ones that make you scratch your head, make you think twice. James Conner for Julio Jones in uh, November, that's one, man, you'd – gladly go to the aging wide receiver with elite upside of course uh traded for derrick henry in a second round pick even before that so it, it's really the trade finders thick with deals that i would make for james connor in fact there's not very many that i'd say whoa the slow your roll that's not the one that i want uh james connor still is going on his name going on that pittsburgh running game um if there's something still there you should be trying to tap that market for sure Ryan, you had Philip Lindsay in the Raiders and Broncos game. Yeah, the last player I want to talk about is Lindsay. Uh, he became the first uh, undrafted free agent to rush for a thousand yards in his uh, each of his first two seasons. Today, I thought that was a really impressive uh, kind of career stat for Lindsay, and and he's certainly been a surprise dating back to the beginning of his career in 2018. Lindsay is just an undervalued guy. I think he really always has been. I think that's the case with a lot of these undrafted players. Even after one, two, three years in the league, dynasty players hold that undrafted status against them. I think probably not intentionally, but subconsciously thinking, you know, maybe that's a strike against them or or something like that. But uh, Lindsay, as I said, ends the year with over a thousand rushing yards. He had uh, 53 yards today and, and finishes the season as the RB19. So a solid uh, a solid RB2 in fantasy leagues. Looking at that offense moving forward, Royce Freeman is is not good. I think he gets replaced. Maybe that's bad news for, for Lindsey, but Freeman is, is certainly no threat to his job. That was another preseason 
conversation that a lot of people had that maybe this is the year that Freeman takes over or that Freeman uh, overtakes Lindsay as, as the lead back. And they, they kind of tried that a couple of games. It did not go well. Yeah. You know, I've been a big Philip Lindsay fan since he entered the league. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of dynasty owners out there that say, yeah, but he n- never has that huge game that carries you for a week and, and wins the week for you. And while that's true, he he also isn't the guy that you depend on for that. He he certainly isn't Alvin Kamara. He's not you didn't pay those kind of prices for him. He's a running back too, a guy you want to fill the rest of your roster, or the rest of your lineup with, and he's going to have a couple of 100-yard games as he did this year and score every other week or so. And in the games where he does score or in the games where they're playing from behind and he happens to pile on four or five catches, you're going to be really happy with the number he puts up for you. Um, consistency, yeah, he has a little bit of it. Sometimes he dips down into those eight, nine, ten carry games for 40 or 50 yards and only catches a ball or two. But isn't that true of all those, especially back-end running back twos? You didn't pay much for Lindsey, and you're not going to have to now if you if you want to go buy him. I agree with you, Ryan. They're probably going to move on in that backfield. They're going to they're gonna make some, some changes for sure. But it's not going to be Lindsey or his role. He's survived a coaching change already. A, a improvement at the quarterback position would be a good thing for Philip Lindsay because of his pass catching chops. Another receiver on the outside helping out Cortland Sutton will do nothing but help Philip Lindsay. If the offense improves, I think Lindsay probably does as well. Let's move on to the final matchup we need to talk about. That's the Rams and the Cardinals. A guy we need to talk about here, Ryan, is Tyler Higby. Just exploded for the last month and a half kind of out of nowhere you know you mentioned Perriman coming off of waiver wires and saving teams at the wide receiver position Higby did that for a lot of dynasty owners as well and it's rare that those kind of things happen but he did it to the extreme he made it almost ridiculous five straight games with at least 84 yards he had at least seven catches in all five games and he scored a couple times over that stretch Eight for 84 and a score against Arizona. You mentioned before the show, Ryan, tight end one for week 17. That's not the first time he's done it either in this stretch. It feels like Tyler Higby took the next step in his career, that maybe the Rams finally um, recognize that they have something in Tyler Higby and he needs to be on the field. It seems like something that should translate to 2020. If you have him on your roster, he's a hard guy to sell because he's shown you his upside. But if you're going to get back-end, tight-end one type return off of Tyler Higby, are you going to sell him, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I think I probably would. And and again, like like really all of these players, it just comes down to price. I think at this point, it would actually be tough to sell him for a second-round pick. Uh, I think you're going to have to either get multiple picks uh, or maybe a, a pick upgrade in the first round to to really move on from Higby. He's just been so impressive. The only thing that, that does kind of give me pause is Gerald Everett was, was also impressive for the Rams before he went out with that injury. So that, that makes the situation even, even more difficult to uh, evaluate moving forward. They've got a couple of good tight ends. Maybe it is kind of like that Eagles situation where we just see them both on the field. Of course, the difference is the Rams also have the receivers um, that maybe they don't need to go to that two tight end sets so often. 
Yeah, he feels like a guy that I want on my roster for sure. And if if I already have him and somebody's asking, I'm looking for the upgrade. I'm I'm looking for the guy that we already know is in that in that tight end one range or top six or seven or eight tight end range. Add something to Higby to move all the way up to Kelsey. Add something to Higby to move all the way up to one of the other guys in the top the top of that tight end tier. Those are the types of moves that, that I'm okay with. Otherwise he feels like a firm hold to me. I want to see early next season. If he took that next step, if he really did make the the leap into that tight end one tier, we've all had Tyler Higby on our teams. It feels like he's hit the waiver wire over the last four years or so. And you pick him up thinking maybe next year's the year I'll hold on to him for the off season, but you need the roster spot later. Maybe during the season, he's, he's had three straight games with just one catch or, or zero catches over that span and you dump him yourself. So we've all had him. If you're the lucky guy that had him when he broke out or, or got to pick him up when he broke out, you should probably hold him and see what happens in 2020. That Rams offense should be a little bit better. That offensive line should get fixed. That coaching staff didn't forget how to draw up plays for their best players. Higby's going to mix in with those receivers that we like so much. That running game that should be back and, and should at least be formidable in 2020. And if he mixes in as well as he has over the last five weeks... We got a tight end one in a very, very good Los Angeles Rams offense. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. I want to say once again, Happy New Year. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Thanks for listening all year long to Ryan, Matt, and myself. For Ryan, I'm Dan. We'll catch you again next week on the DLF Dynasty podcast.